Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Here we go. Sports Talk Mississippi. Streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us as we start a new week with you in the Pearl River Resort studios. Pearl River Resort is the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. Learn more about them online at pearlriverresort.com. We have got a busy three hours coming your way. We've got basketball to talk about. Mississippi State getting a win on the road. Ole Miss getting popped, popped in the mouth at home by the South uh, there was no pun intended there. Um, by South Carolina on Saturday at home. We have much to talk about on the baseball front, and we will do that with all three head coaches. Um, Christian Ostrander will visit with us about 15 minutes from right now. We'll have Chris Lamonis in the 4 o'clock hour and Mike Bianco in the 5 o'clock hour. So many topics. I think there is a very interesting debate that I guess could be settled tomorrow night, possibly in Starkville. Is there a clear-cut winner for SEC Freshman of the Year, or is it a two- or three-person race? We'll get into that with you this afternoon. We've got winners and losers. We've got the college football fix. Hope you had a great weekend. The ceasefire text line is open to you, 601 879 Nine five six zero one eight seven nine four three nine five. We get a message right out of the gate. So Friday, I was looking forward to the Sports Talk Mississippi podcast of the Friday afternoon show. I opened my app so that I could create. Oh, I opened my Kroger app so that I could create a shopping list for any interesting food ideas from uh, Food Friday. First hour went without a glitch, and then it was Ole Miss baseball in the four and five o'clock hours. We became aware of that. Um, over the weekend as well. Our apologies. It's a technical issue that, frankly, is beyond all of our pay grades. Uh, hopefully, that will not be an issue again. If it is, uh, we'll do our best to uh, make sure that we get everything to you in a timely fashion. Hey, everybody, great to be with you. Yeah, it is. Today is February the 26th. I am wearing shorts. It's the hey, best. This is hey. a great day. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. I'm right, there. I'm right there with you. 
I, I, now, now Borky probably uh, has yeah, to wear right the there. long pants because he's in the uh, in the fancy studio with all of our bosses. I mean, I, I guess I could get away with it, but I don't yeah. want to take the risk. That's fair. That's fair. <sighs> I mean, I'm going to be there for most of the rest of the week, and I'll wear pants when I come to the yes. uh, come to the. You just need to get studio. some uh, some tearaway pants, and then you know when the show starts. <laughs> That's a great idea. Shorts on in the studio and just man. If you don't go full on basketball tearaway pants, you could get the um, like the fishing pants that have the legs that zip off. You can unzip the legs. You know, once you uh, you get into the studio and nobody's going to mess with you. I I mean, just another absolutely gorgeous day. It was a spectacular weekend. A little cooler on Saturday. Yesterday was unbelievable. Um, It would have been a great day to be at the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club or whatever golf course is close to you and uh, and local. It was a good day for Michael Borky to uh, to take James fishing. And was that James's first fish yesterday? No, that was his first bass, though. Okay. And uh, it, it's funny. So, I mean, explaining the concept of fishing to a four-year-old is a little bit difficult because, like, that came out of the water? How? But the little fish, he's fine with. The little bluegill, he's caught a few they're fine. Dad'll hold them. I'll touch them. They're a little squirmy, but it's funny. When we hooked into that bass, I knew it wasn't a bluegill. It is a small bass, like a pound maybe. But he's reeled it in. It's all good. It's all good. And then when that fish clears the water, if I was if it, if I didn't have my hands next to the pole, he would have dropped the pole in shock. Because <laughs> how is so, like what is this? How is something that big? It, like he was mind blown that he could catch something that big again it was a little bass but uh great day bite just completely stopped though we caught two fish within 10 minutes and then just nothing and so we ended up just throwing the biggest sticks we could find in the water for about an hour and that was a good time and uh and then we went home that's a good day that's a good dad sunday no question about it and uh and I remember, so you couldn't get him to to hold the bass by the mouth no, and for some reason, this one in particular, uh, his, his little teeth were sharper than they are typically mm-hmm. at that. Because, you know, you get your thumb, thumb cut up when, when you catch a lot of bass, right? It's a good day when, when your thumbs are, are are torn up. One fish tore my thumb up, so I, I didn't want to uh, risk it with him. But he held it with both hands, and then it flopped right out of his hands. And so I couldn't get a picture in time because, uh, you know. Under, understandably so. I made a comment on Thursday this past week, hey, Dad, that if Mississippi State could find a way to play with the same energy on a night out, night, uh, night in, night out basis as they did on Wednesday night, especially on the defensive end, as they did Wednesday night against Ole Miss, that this team could be special. And not only did they play with a high level of energy on Saturday night on the defensive end in Baton Rouge against an LSU team that was playing really good basketball, they filled it up. And you were there to see it. Mississippi State with a really impressive road win on Saturday in Baton Rouge to wrap up a big day of SEC basketball. What a good win for Mississippi State and a team that not only – looked like a tournament team, as Michael Borky says in our rundown, looked perhaps like a second weekend team with the way they played on Saturday. Yeah, and going back to last week, something I said was, you know, there was a game coming for Josh Hubbard 
yep. where he was going to be 30 points plus, and I got to watch it uh, Saturday uh, at the PMAC. That was that was a very, very impressive performance. And Tolu Smith, really good as well. Uh, again, coming off the bench, I don't know if that's something they're just going to stick with or, or what's the deal there, but it's working. And that's the kind of decision that could have backfired really easily, right? You tell him, hey, you're going to be playing off the bench the rest of the way. A lot of players, a lot of teams, that'll go the wrong way. It has not for Mississippi State. Same with the decision to let Keyshawn Murphy uh, back in after after missing some games and for, for some personal reasons that were, were not, you know, they were related to his playing time. Uh, but he's come back and he's become a key cog for Mississippi State these past few weeks. But Hubbard was the story on Saturday, 32 points, a new career high. Uh, really gave LSU a lot of trouble. That's an LSU team that, you know, they, they scored 67 in the game. Trey Hannibal, who's a six-point-per-game scorer, had 22 in this game. So if that guy doesn't go out and have a career night, this could have been a really, really embarrassing loss for the Tigers. It wasn't a great loss for them as it was. And as you might guess, you know, with the metrics, you get a 20-point road win in a quad-two game. State shoots up to 28 in the net. A lot of good surrounding that. It feels like Chris Jans is pulling, uh, pushing all the right buttons, maybe pulling all the right levers as well. I know that a single social media post that is selected from practice is not necessarily indicative of what a team's attitude is overall. But I thought the clip that Mississippi State put out on Twitter and probably Instagram last week from either, I guess it was from Thursday's practice. So Chris Jans gets the tech, the, the technical foul on Friday, on Wednesday night against Ole Miss, and they put out a clip of you get a tech, you have to run, and so there is a clip of Chris Jans running a gasser or a suicide, modified suicide in practice. And the way the team reacted to that, where they – ended up running the last leg of the suicide with him, and they're just going crazy. I thought that was an interesting peek behind the curtain of a team that looks like it's having a heck of a lot of fun right now. And playing their best basketball when it matters the most. What good is playing great basketball in November if you're not playing it at the end of February, right? Yeah, and you can see some of that as well from the bench Saturday when when they were able to get the uh, the reserves in and the way they reacted to them. Trey Fort's ridiculous dunk there at the end of the game brought everybody up of, off the bench. So really fun. Also, I'm glad to see that the rivalry between State and LSU that exists in my family is going to go another generation because the amount of trash talk between my daughter Emily and my cousin's daughter Caroline was incredible. And I was very proud of my daughter for just giving it to her for, for 40 minutes of basketball. And then there was baseball this weekend as well. Southern Miss gets another series win. We'll talk with Christian Ostrander about that coming up in just a little while. Mississippi State gets a series win. They got game one, got blasted pretty good in game two, and then had a big bounce back yesterday and put a bunch of runs on the board. And the Ole Miss offense finally came to life. After losing game one to high point, they bounced back with a couple of 10-run rule wins, 12-2 on Saturday, and put 25 runs on the board yesterday. And it was over after the bottom of the first, right? I mean, Ole Miss scored 11 runs in the bottom of the first inning. I think they hit four home runs. Is that right, four home runs in the bottom of the first? I believe that's correct. I think I heard David Kellum say I was They batted around for three consecutive innings. 
So Yeah, it was just a, a dominant performance. And so that had to feel good for a baseball team that had really struggled offensively. Does it mean everything is okay? No, not necessarily. But it certainly is a step in the right direction. Christian Ostrander will join us on the Farm Bureau guest line when we come back with you at Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Gentlemen, ladies, I have an announcement to make. Sports Talk Mississippi with Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, and Michael Borky is back. Super duper. Thanks. Super Talk. Super Talk Mississippi. hosted Missouri State in a three-game series at Pete Taylor Park this weekend, and they got the series win. Won Friday's game 4-3, to three, lost 3-1 three to one on Saturday, and then came back and got the rubber game of the series with a 5-4 victory yesterday to close out the series win. Christian Ostrander joins us on the Farm Bureau guest line to talk about the weekend. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team Mississippi Farm Bureau. Coach Oz, appreciate your time this afternoon. Once the season starts, I mean, it's like hit the ground running. Eight games in ten days to start the season. Six and two has got to feel pretty good at this point considering the amount of baseball you've played in a short period of time. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it was, you know, we knew it was going to be a challenge, you know, eight games in ten days and, uh, you know, five and six at one point. But uh, I am, I'm proud. I'm I'm definitely proud of the, you know, the way the guys have, uh, you know, stayed in there and and found ways to win. Sometimes it was more from an offensive standpoint, sometimes more pitching and stuff. But uh, we're, you know, still learning and figuring out, you know, the formula for sure. Going into this past weekend, did you feel like this was going to be a pretty good challenge for your team against Missouri State? This is a program that has been pretty pretty good in recent years. No, no doubt. I mean, I got a tremendous amount of respect for that program, Coach Gutton, and what he's done there. And and uh, I want to tell you, uh, that that was a good team. Uh, that's a regional caliber team, in my opinion. And uh, we had to earn everything. And I think they would say the same that they had to earn it. You know, the, the, the W they got against us. So it was really a fun series. It was very competitive, and it was. I mean, it felt like every pitch there was. <laughs> you know, something was on the line. So it, it was fun. It, it was good just for our guys to come through and win that series against a really good opponent and, you know, and I have to play good baseball. So let's start with game one, a 4-3 win. You're out hitting that ball game. You play a clean game defensively, and you did something different from the first weekend. Nico Mazza got the start, but instead of Cross Sibley staying in the rotation, you went to him first out of the bullpen. So, so talk to us a little bit about that decision about those arms and the way you pitched it in game one. Yeah, well, um, you know, uh, first of all, Nico, I thought he was great. I mean, you know, he, uh, he, he, I think he gave up three earned runs through six innings, no walk, seven K, something like that. Yeah. Uh, quality start. So, you know, he did what you want your Friday night guy to do against a really, really good offense, um, scary offense for that matter. But, uh, you know, after the six, I it screamed to me that six, you know, five lefties and one switch and, and uh, the scout reports t- said turn that switch around to righty, and uh, so I went with the left-hander, and Cross was phenomenal. Um, I thought he did exactly what we saw him do a lot last year out of the pen, and, uh, you know, he set it up, and, uh, you know, they ended up getting the tie and run at second base with two outs in the ninth. I go to a go to my right-hander, a harder throw in righty against their matchup, and uh, he was able to get that comebacker, 1-3 for the win. 
Did you know going into that game that that is likely the the route that you would go, or was that an in-game decision, hey, this makes the most sense based on our personnel and and what their lineup looks like? I I think I knew going into it, just with all the video watching you've been doing our scouting report, I knew that would be a good play. Um, I thought, you know, the left-handed pitcher neutralized some of their power and uh, from the left side. So, uh, yeah, that was the game plan. And, uh, you know, just thankfully it it all worked out. You know, sometimes your plans don't. But I'm uh, very thankful that, that it worked out that way. So game two, the game you lost on the weekend, 3-1, to one, offense hard to come by. You, you take the early lead in the second inning with the, uh, the sacrifice fly, but that was it in terms of scoring the rest of the way. How much of that was what Missouri State did on the mound and how much of that was, eh, didn't love the approach that you guys had? Well, a little bit of both. I thought, you know, I'm always going to give credit to the other team when they beat you, and, and, you know, regardless of how. But I thought their pitchers, they had enough stuff. I thought they pitched well, pitched backwards. Uh, just really, you know, they took candy from a baby against us that day. That's the way I, you know, felt. I didn't think we responded good. I didn't think we uh, were able to, you know, make the right approach or change an approach if we needed to. So it was a very subpar offensive performance. And, and uh, just thankful that, you know, the the pitching side kept us in it to give us a chance. It just didn't work out. But, uh, you know, that's basically you got to move on and, and live and learn from it. It's one of the things that's been kind of a hallmark of, of all of the guys that you've run out on the mound over the last few years is not a lot of walks. You've struck out a lot of guys and you haven't walked many, but you give up seven walks in that game as well. Was it just one of those days? Uh, yeah, it was walks on both sides, I, I think, I, from what I can remember a little bit. Uh, Billy pitched a lot better than his line. You know, that's not characteristic for him to have four. And uh, there's a little chirping going on. I, you know, we, there were some calls I didn't think we got. That's part of it, you know. I mean, that's part of baseball. And, uh, and you know, and I told our pitchers, I said, hey, guys, if the zone is, is tight or smaller that day, well, then we got to throw it where he's calling it. And, you know, we're not going to ask for any, you know, excuses. But, yeah, I think, you know, it's a little uncharacteristic for what our standards are, and I don't think it's any coincidence we end up losing that game, you know. And, and not that, you know, uh, it was necessarily the pitcher's fault, but uh, it just kind of goes hand in hand. When you throw strikes, good things happen. Well, one more thing on that game. Colby Allen, uh, out of the bullpen, gives you five innings, only gives up a run, has five strikeouts. The, the sophomore stepped in and, and really pitched well, it, it looks like. Well, I mean, and that, that performance is huge on many levels. Number one, he kept, gave us a chance to stay in that game and win it. It just didn't happen. Number two, he saved a lot of my bullpen pieces for Sunday. And, and, and I was able to not have to use them on Saturday to try to keep the game within striking distance, um, you know, to have, to have them ready to go yesterday. And uh, so – that doesn't get seen a lot, you know, in box scores and stuff. People don't realize that. But, no, that was that was a big-time performance that really lengthened us out and set us up really good for Sunday. And and in that Sunday game, a little more offense. You, you take an early lead after falling behind. You fall behind in the fourth inning, but answer and tie it up. And then you get the run. And kind of the, the flip of what we were talking about just a second ago, 17 strikeouts, and as a staff on Sunday, only one walk. Yeah, that, I was very, very proud of all the guys that got on the bump, um, you know, that day. Will Armistead set the tone. I think he struck out like seven and four innings or something yeah. like that. And, uh, pitched really good. Had some, we, we didn't play defense in that fourth inning or third, whatever inning they got their runs. We, we kicked, we had two errors, uh, which we haven't done a lot of. And, uh, so they capitalized. And, uh, but then after that, man, the bullpen just was real greedy and, uh, just kind of shut them down. And, uh, 
We were able to hit uh, at, in opportune times a little more yesterday. And Davis Gillespie getting a big two-run home run to tie it up. Billy Butler getting his first start, got a few hits. Seth Smith, true freshman, gets another game-winning hit. So, yeah, I was very pleased with that answer after a subpar performance on Saturday to come back and kind of put a complete game together yesterday. So that was good to see. So looking ahead to this week, this is a challenging week for you. You, you get Nichols down on the coast uh, at the, the Shuckers ballpark. That was an NCAA tournament team a year ago. You get Indiana State, who was an NCAA tournament host a year ago, and then looking ahead a little bit, Mississippi State the following week. So not going to be an easy stretch, but a big opportunity for your club over this next week to ten days. Yeah, it's exciting. I mean, you know, this is a program that that has that, that wants and has a bullseye kind of on its chest, and I, I love that myself, and I know these guys too. It, uh, you know, because we talk about it all the time. So, you know, no rest for the weary, and uh, we'll, you know, we're not going to shy away from our, our our schedule or competition, and you know, and I think that's what if you if you can win games with that, then you're going to like where you're at in the end and, and stuff. And I think that's yeah. a model that Coach Barry really figured out here, and uh, and I'm mean, obviously got to carry that on, but. Uh, no, it was, uh, you know, very uh, – it's going to be a challenging week. Tomorrow's the most important game of the year on the schedule, and that's how we're treating it. And then we'll worry about, you know, what's coming in after that. Have you decided what you're going to do on the mound yet tomorrow? Uh, yeah, I have. I have. We haven't announced it. It's going to be a staff game. I think you're going to see, you know, multiple guys. I think there's going to be a lot of arms getting in there. And I need to. I need them to get out there. i got some guys I still want to see that haven't got the work yet, you know, so – and not that I'm experimenting tomorrow, we're playing to win, but uh, my goal is to get several arms out there. Are you, and, and I, I think I asked you this last Tuesday when we talked, and, and I know it, identity, maybe it's early for that, but are you starting to kind of see some leadership in the locker room, some guys stepping up that either you expected to or maybe guys that you, you didn't expect to kind of climb into those leadership roles? I think so. I mean, I think we are. we had good leadership you know, before the season starts, like, you know, our, the team captains that were selected by, you know, their the players, I think they, they, they got it right and, uh, and stuff. But now as the season starts going and stuff and emotions and frustrations and whatever excitements happen and stuff, it's fun to see how they respond and handle the ups, downs and who's accepting the roles and watching guys patrol and police that. And, and I'm very thankful because I got a great bunch of guys that, that I, I hear them and I see them doing that and helping the young guys understand things and making sure somebody's not getting, you know, sour if they're not getting the opportunity. So it's a great group, and, uh, you know, player-led teams uh, tend to do well. So we're going to try to lead them as coaches, but I'm glad to see them doing it, you know, player-to-player uh, player as well. Looks like the weather's going to continue to cooperate for the uh, the near future. Nichols tomorrow night in Biloxi and then three with Indiana State at Pete Taylor Park this weekend. Oz, really appreciate your time. Great catching up. All right, man. Appreciate you for having me. Thank you. Absolutely. That's Christian Ostrander, head baseball coach at Southern Miss, team coming off uh, a week in which they played a lot of baseball. They, uh, You remember they had the Monday game against Air Force. They played New Orleans on the road on Wednesday and then had Missouri State in. And so a 4-1 uh, a and one week after a 2-3 uh, out of three weekend for Southern Miss. Good all the way around for the Golden Eagles. They are 6-2 and two through their first eight games. Take a time out. We're back with you. Christian Ostrander joined us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Back with you right after this.
Sports Talk Mississippi with Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, and Michael Borky is back. I'm all ears. Super Talk. Super Talk Mississippi. This town been a long time coming, been a long hard drive. Gonna smoke some, gonna drink some, gonna find See, our text line is open to you, 601-879-4395. You've got your business, and Seaspire's got your back with best-in-class technology solutions powered by their team of 200-plus certified engineers. Visit cspire.com slash business to learn more. Seaspire, customer inspired. Glad to have you. This afternoon, Bob in Gulfport says Coach Oz does a really, really good interview, and it seems like he knows exactly what he's doing at Southern Miss. Yeah, certainly off to a good start, and um, these uh, coaching interviews have been fun for us over the uh, last few years. Uh, Scott Berry transitioning right into uh, Christian Ostrander. I, I reached out to Coach Oz, and I was like, hey, we've been doing this for a while. He said, absolutely, I'm in. Uh, and so look forward to visiting with him on Mondays throughout the course of the season. We'll get back to baseball. we got plenty of time for that. But I think we need to talk a little bit more about basketball, specifically Mississippi State's win at LSU on Saturday night. Hey, Dad pointed out it was, in a lot of ways, the Josh Hubbard show. And Hubbard's performance, largely on Saturday night, led to his fifth SEC Freshman of the Week award. That's the uh, most ever by a freshman at Mississippi State. Five times this year he's been named SEC Freshman of the Week. 34 minutes, 32 points, 9 of 17 from the field, 6 of 12 from behind the arc, and he made all eight of his free throws. That is a good night at the office. Yeah, they, they played. What gets me to that is I thought State played really well as a team. When you take into account, you know, Cam Matthews only plays three minutes in the first half, gets into foul trouble, and but State's able to take a seven-point lead in the locker room. I, I mentioned Keyshawn Murphy coming off the bench, and, and I mentioned you know, Tolu Smith coming off the bench, but you know, I, I don't consider him a bench player. But he has nineteen, I think eight, um, yeah. nineteen and nine. Just, 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 yeah, I mean, just a really good team game. But Hubbard is what stands out here because he has thirty-two points. I mean, and he's just. He's making some really crazy shots. He hit at least one. I mean, I, I, we could have the logo three debate. He's got a foot on the tiger. It's just a big tiger there at center court, but he's got a foot on it when he when he takes that shot and, and and it goes in. But he also drove to the basket for a couple of buckets and and was able to blow by defenders. And you mentioned the eight of eight. State was seventeen of twenty two, I think, from the line in this game. I mean, if they're going to be able to do that. If they can be at that percentage, they're going to be really, really dangerous the rest of the way. So this, if you really look at it, this might be the best game they've played under Jans in terms of their shooting percentage. I think they shot 46 and then 47, 48 from three-point range. And then you mentioned the free throw there. Uh, and then on the other side of it, they held LSU to, I think, like 17, 18%. Three-point shooting, another great night for them, and you know, forced a bunch of turnovers and just played really, really well. This, As far as a complete game on both sides of the court, this might be as good as State's played under Chris Chance. I like the Tolu Smith off the bench thing. I get that everybody probably it's working. wants to start, 
But it does a couple of things. One, it gives you the opportunity to manage his minutes a little bit. He played 28 minutes. And Tolu Smith does not have many easy minutes when he's in the game because he's having to battle down low. It's the type of player that he has. And so 19 points and 9 rebounds in 28 minutes. He was efficient with the ball in his hand. Four of those rebounds were on the offensive board. You don't have a huge drop-off with Jimmy Bell in the game, so you roll him out there first. The other thing is you let Tolu Smith watch what it looks like down low a little bit. How is Jimmy Bell battling with big guys? What are they doing to him defensively? And so maybe he's got a little bit of a game plan in his head as to what he's going to need to do, what's going to work, and and can kind of give you immediate success. There's no kind of having to try and feel it out. And the point that you made earlier about Keyshawn Murphy, there are a lot of coaches that when a guy misses as much time as he did would say, okay, you know, if you're not with us, you're out. But Chris Jans didn't do that. He was patient with him. Keyshawn Murphy, to his credit, was around the program and comes back, and it's another good night for him. Talked about the 19-9 and from Tolu Smith. How about 11-9 and from Keyshawn Murphy with five offensive rebounds? And he played 25 yeah. minutes. Yeah. And that's just a key for State. They, they needed some more offense off the bench, and they're starting to find that now. The Tolu thing is working, like you said. And, and Deshaun Davis, only six points. He had a couple of three-point baskets. But when he comes in, he, he's able to run the offense efficiently. He had three assists and one turnover. He had three rebounds. I think a couple of those were offensive. And then uh, – I'm sorry, I lost, I lost my train of thought there – He's just playing really good defense on the other side there. And so you know, earlier in the season, and this is another guy who earlier in the season it wasn't working for him, it wasn't coming together for him, but he's figured it out as you would expect a guy who's a veteran like that to do. So, you know, I don't know if this team is peaking or not. I don't know if, they're, if you want to go to the – are they playing their best basketball right now? But the way they played Saturday night makes them dangerous. If they can play, If they can channel that up and play like that, you know, every week, they're going to be a problem the rest of the way. And, hey, Dad, ultimately it doesn't matter where your points come from if you get the points. But State had 41 mm-hmm. bench points. When you have mm-hmm. Keyshawn Murphy and Tolu Smith and Deshaun Davis, and once he gets mm-hmm. back to 100% and DJ Jeffries coming off the bench, mm-hmm. that gives you an opportunity to have some pretty oh. serious bench points when you go out there. And the flip yeah. side of that is, your starters outside of Josh Hubbard didn't give you a ton. Now, Camp Matthews has been better than he was on Saturday right. night, but you mentioned the foul trouble. Outside of that, you get no points from Jimmy Bell, one from Sean Jones, and five from Shaquille Moore in the game. So you didn't have a ton of scoring from your starters, but that's okay because yeah. ultimately you get the points regardless of where, from where they come. Right, and, and it's, it's skewed by Hubbard having 32 you know, usually a couple of those buckets would go to Shaq Moore, and maybe a, one of those layups would go to, to Cam Matthews. Cam had eight points in, in 18 minutes. So, I mean, he was very efficient. You yeah. know, if he had played the full game, he probably easily into double digits. So, just like I said, from, from top to bottom, this is about as, I, it might be as good as they're capable of playing. And I think the way they played Saturday night, I, and Hubbard's not going to get 32 every time out, but if he can be efficient and be, you know, 17, 18 points. And and have Shaq Moore and DJ Jeffries and Cam Matthews pick up a little bit more of the offensive load. Yes, they're going to be fine, especially with the, if they're going to play defense the way they did on on Saturday night as well. 
On the flip side, Ole Miss at home on Saturday, and the Rebels got blasted by South Carolina. They were down 14 at the half, ended up outscoring South Carolina by a point in the second half. Gamecocks went at 72-59. And there were a couple of things that kind of went against Ole Miss in this game. Number one, Matthew Morrell picked up his second foul less than four minutes into the game. And so he sat from the 16.05 mark until the two-minute mark of the first half. So 14 minutes in the first half where he doesn't play. And then he gave you, he played most of the second half, but had fouls kind of hanging over him. Didn't he pick up his fourth with like 10 minutes to go as well? Yeah. Yeah. He did. So you got, what, six minutes in the first half, and I guess he played 18 minutes in the second half. But he wasn't able necessarily to be as aggressive as he might have been otherwise, especially defensively. Ole Miss had its worst shooting game and its worst three-point shooting game of the season. A ton of that credit or the reason that that happened was because South Carolina just locked Ole Miss down defensively. But when they did have open looks, they didn't make them. And... It just wasn't a very good – I mean, Musa Cisse had his best offensive game of the year with 13 points. But the other thing was you had Alan Flanagan pick up a foul that was upgraded to a flagrant two, deservedly so, where he throws an elbow into the head of a South Carolina player as they're coming down the court side by side. And there, we ran the video back a little bit. I don't know if we ran it back far enough. I don't know if something happened maybe under the basket on the previous possession for South Carolina. But as he and I I think it was Zachary Davis were running down the court side by side. You saw Davis kind of give him a little bit of a shove. And Flanagan responded with an elbow to the side of the head. He's lucky it didn't land. I mean, he he hit him, but but he's lucky he... It, it he, was he, like, he missed. It was like he hit lucky. him with you know, what, what, what is above the forearm, like the outside part of the bicep. I guess the tri. It was yeah. like he hit him with his tricep. The tricep area. Yeah. Instead of hitting him actually with the elbow. Yeah, I think it was the that, right that decision. Going to the hospital. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the right decision to upgrade it to a flagrant two. It was completely unnecessary. And Flanagan had been one of miss? the. Say what? You think you'll miss any more games? I don't think so. I, I really don't. I mean, because he, now if he had not been ejected in that game, I think they would have gone back and perhaps issued an ejection for another game. I don't anticipate that he'll get anything beyond that. I'm not sure it looked as bad in real time as it did slowed down on social media where it has certainly made the rounds. We'll be back right after this. From the Venable Glass. Now we have a special surprise for everyone. Give it to me. More Sports Talk Mississippi. Right now on Super Talk Mississippi.
Welcome back. Thanks for being with us on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us. How about this question on the ceasefire text line? Who wins the SEC basketball title? Kentucky. You think? I think. I'm excited about are, are, uh, now, are you talking about the tournament or the regular season? Oh, I was talking tournament. No, no, no. I mean, I think the question is who wins the regular season title. So, right, right now, you have Tennessee at eleven and three, Alabama at eleven and three, South Carolina and Auburn both at ten and four. Then you got Florida and Kentucky at nine and five. It probably ends up being Tennessee. They have the tiebreaker with Alabama, uh, so they would they would be the first seed in the in the tournament. South Carolina, I feel like even with their win Saturday, is trailing off a little bit. Um, Auburn, Auburn could be the, the the dark horse here. Florida, Kentucky being two games back, and Kentucky still has to play a game with Tennessee uh, in in Knoxville. So I don't think they'll be able to get there. So Kentucky's got Mississippi State on Tuesday night. You've got on Wednesday night, Auburn at Tennessee. That's a big one. Big game. Big game. I mean, if Auburn wins that. Well, they're, Alabama, right there. they're right in the mix, yeah. Yeah, Alabama's at Ole Miss on Wednesday night. On Saturday, in terms of games of Arkansas at Kentucky, it's a game that Kentucky certainly should win. Tennessee is at Alabama. On Saturday, ooh, ooh! I didn't realize they played both times this year. Yeah, that's a good. That's that that How that's a good decision that? maker. It's a good game because Tennessee thumped Alabama in Knoxville earlier mm-hmm. this year. Mm-hmm. Um, Alabama has to go to Florida next week. Mm-hmm. Auburn gets to go to Missouri in the midweek next week. Tennessee has, has to go State to on, South Carolina. Um, and then that final Saturday of the regular season, Alabama hosts Arkansas. South Carolina's at Mississippi State. Kentucky at Tennessee. Yeah. Georgia's at Auburn. It's like everybody's got some challenging games left on the schedule mm-hmm. in terms of those top four. South Carolina may have the most difficult finishing stretch. Of those four, yeah. and we haven't talked about it yet, and maybe we will. But Kentucky, Alabama, Saturday was ridiculous. I think we does. said bet the over on this show. <laughs> I hope you did. Yeah, yeah. So, um, back to the Ole Miss South Carolina game. Ole Miss needed a day where from the second they walked on the floor for the start of pregame warm-ups until the final horn sounded, they needed to look like a team that was desperate. Like every movement they made needed to be with a purpose. The sense of urgency should, should not, could not have been any higher. 
And yet, as you watch that game unfold, it was South Carolina who had lost two in a row who looked like the team with this incredible sense of urgency, who made plays, who were relentless on the defensive end, relentless on the boards. They out-rebounded Ole Miss 44-34 and had 15 offensive rebounds in the game. There's there's something up because a lot of people are just doing that. Well, you know they're not talented enough, and at spots on the block offensively, they don't have a big man that gives them anything offensively. And yes, I know Cisse led them in scoring, but you you saw where those buckets came, and you've seen them all season. He's not a reliable offensive weapon. You there there are holes on this roster because it's year one. The the last few years of Ole Miss basketball have been a disaster kind of had to scramble to get some players in, et cetera, et cetera. I get it. But they're not just losing games because of lack of talent right now. Something else is wrong, it, it, whether it's a crisis of confidence. But there's discipline stuff, too. I mean, you, you had a player get arrested recently. You had the Flanagan elbow. In the second half of a must-win game at home, you're a veteran player that killed this team the last time you played them, and you get yourself kicked out of the game for something so stupid. And he was playing well. Yeah, I mean, he was Probably the most effective player on the floor for Ole Miss. And if they were going to come back and win that game, he needs to be on the floor. Instead, he was in the locker room because he elbowed a guy in the face. There's there's something up there. It's it, Closeouts, defensively, defensive rotations are, are lazy or not communicated well. Really bad offensive possessions. There's just... It's like the second half against Auburn at home broke them, and they haven't put the pieces back together since then. Yeah. Ole Miss is in a spot where their only real chance for an NCAA tournament bid is to go 3-1 and one in their last four games and go win a couple of games in Nashville. That's kind of the road at this point, and it seems bumpy. The best, the best. sports talk in the state. It's the best thing. Say that again. We the best on three. One, two, three. We the best. Sports talk Mississippi. Super talk Mississippi. Our Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Michael Borky in the Pearl River Resort studio. All kinds of great stuff happening at Pearl River Resort. Be sure to check out their website, pearlriverresort.com, to keep up with everything that's happening. Live entertainment, great dining, world-class gaming, Outstanding golf and more at Pearl River Resort. Ceasefire text line is open. 601-879-4395. That is the number that you need to punch into your phone if you want to connect with us. Ceasefire text line. Ceasefire customer inspired. Let's get to some winners and losers. All I do is win. We got winners. We got losers. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. We're the never win. And we're the never win. 
What'd you like from the weekend? What did you not like from the weekend? That's how we run down our winners and our losers. Brian Haydad, start us off with a winner, please. I mean, we've already talked about him, but it's got to be Josh Hubbard. Five times now, SEC Freshman of the Week. And I was, I was a little surprised. You know, because he didn't play a great game against Ole Miss on Wednesday. He only scored five points. But I guess when you get 30 in a road game, they're going to give you that award. So, And now it sets up what should be a, a very interesting matchup within the matchup tomorrow night at the hump with, with him versus Reed Shepard. The winner, somebody in that game could make a statement to be the SEC freshman of the year. So if Hubbard has another huge game against the Wildcats and can finally lead Mississippi State to their first ever win over John Calipari, that he would have a, a big statement to, to make there. So I'm, I'm, I'm just surprised that, you know, you think about freshmen and that freshman wall, he, I don't, he, I guess he's not going to hit it. I, I mean, he, he hasn't done it to this point. There's only a few games left. So really, really fun player to watch. I enjoyed it, seeing it uh, Saturday night. I think it's something we need to debate later. And, and I don't mean like, you know, Stephen A. A. Smith style debate, but we need to talk about the, the freshman of the year race. Because you very much have Josh Hubbard in it. Kentucky's got two freshmen that have a pretty reasonable argument in Rob Dillingham and Reed Shepard. And I think those are probably the only three players in the SEC that are in the conversation. I think. Mm Florida's got a couple of nice young bigs, but I don't think we're at a spot where we're debating... Freshman of the year for them. And I, I just don't think there's anybody else that's first-year player that has, has stood out the way those three have. So we'll get into that. And maybe tomorrow night's game does have something to say about who the SEC freshman of the year is. Borky, give me a winner. Jay Billis. It's only the end of February, but I think the take of the year has been had on ESPN today. So... In case you missed it, Wake Forest beat Duke. There was a court storming. A Duke player got uh, got hit on purpose, according to the player, by a Wake Forest uh, student on their way onto the court. Turns out, not really what happened. Now, a player probably shouldn't be in that situation anyway, but certainly not the initial story that came out. The outrage machine was fired up, though. We've got to ban this. This is terrible. Blah, 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 blah. And, and it, it happened. And people brought up the Caitlin Clark flop. I mean, the incident with Caitlin Clark earlier this year where a fan running onto the court uh, attacked her as well. And so there's been this court-storming discourse. Should we ban it? Whatever. Jay Billis had the idea to, when everybody storms the court, arrest them all. That's what he wants to happen. That's That will stop the court storming. According to Jay Billis, the way that you can curb this is the next time it happens, force them all to stay on the court somehow, and then arrest them all. That's the genius take of the year that was on ESPN today. Arrest everybody on the court. Because that's logistically possible. I feel like you're being a little sarcastic, Borky. Just a little bit. I mean, there's I, a, I feel like you misplaced your take. That should have perhaps been a loser no, instead it, of a winner. It, it, it's the take of the year. You mm. you can't possibly beat arrest them all. And you know that conversation wouldn't be happening if it wasn't a Duke player. And uh, that's okay. 
You can have the debate around court storming and it be substantive without that. But it's ESPN, so what do you expect? I actually saw what I thought was a pretty reasonable take in this conversation over the course of the weekend and said, you do it kind of like they do with Clemson football. You say, after a brief period, which allows all of the players to leave the playing area that want to or need to, then fans can orderly come onto the court. Like, if that was the policy all the time, then maybe it would eliminate the storming of the court. I I will say, you have to have a plan in place if you're event management. Yep. When it looks like something is about to happen big, like Wake Forest about to beat Duke, you got to have a plan to get the visiting team off the floor. Like what happened with Creighton. Did, Did anybody talk about Creighton's court storming? No, right? Because they had security prepped and ready, and they had like this line that they created. The second the game ended, they protected the other team, and they got off the court with that incident. They had had planned and prepared for that. And I agree with you. I grew up near Clemson. They do it every game. They pack the field after every win. It's awesome. I've been on the field at Clemson when I was a kid, and I will never forget it. And look, you implement that policy, you can do something like, hey, Five-minute timer on the clock. If you guys go on the court before this timer goes off, your team forfeits the game. No, you'll be arrested. Arrest them all. But but there's ways around this to preserve something really cool that happens in college sports and really, really memorable. I mean, that scene at Wake Forest was amazing. It was awesome. That is so cool. After a huge win, everybody on the court celebrating with their team, everybody on the field celebrating with their team. That scene in Knoxville after they beat Alabama with the cigar smoke rising above Neyland Stadium is amazing. You can preserve that without outright banning it. You just got to think a little bit. I know you are incredibly nostalgic about field storms, court storms. Like That's your thing. I get it. I just don't care that much. They just stay off the floor. Just stay off. Cheer in the stands. Have a party in the stands. It's okay. You don't have to be on the playing surface. Do we have an update on Filipowski? I mean, was he... It it didn't look great. I mean, it looked like a knee injury. That'd be a really bad way to have your season come to an end. I'd be willing to bet he plays in the next game. Well, we'll see. We'd know already. Yeah. Because they um, would immediately turn that into, this is why it needs to go. And they know the diagnosis already. Or what is it, prognosis? Whatever. Yeah. Um. Here's a winner for you. And it was hard to believe on, uh, oh, I don't know, Wednesday of this week, Tuesday of this week, I guess it would have been Wednesday, or Friday, that an offensive player for Ole Miss was going to be a winner. But boy, did Jackson Ross have himself a weekend against uh, against High Point. In 17 plate appearances, he had eight hits with four home runs, 11 runs batted in. It was a uh, a special weekend for him at the plate. And the Ole Miss offense as a whole over the last two games against High Point, for for an offense that had shown nothing over the first six games of the regular season, 
to pop up and go back-to-back 10-run rules, I, I get who the competition was. Like I, I get it. But considering where they were through six games, it didn't matter if it was against air. They needed to have something good happen from a confidence standpoint. And we'll see if that carries over. We'll see if they continue to swing the bats. On Wednesday, you could put the ball in the tee and they wouldn't have scored 25 runs. Agreed. Agreed. They needed some good to happen. They needed to see the ball leave the yard some. They needed to see some extra base hits. They needed to see some crooked numbers on the scoreboard. And they got all of those things on Saturday and Sunday. So where do they go from here? By the way, the Iowa team that we've been talking about that looked like it was going to be really, really good this year has lost four in a row. I don't know what they'll do in the midweek uh, between now and when they make it to Oxford this weekend. So we'll uh, we'll see. Maybe it was too early for the obituary that some folks were writing. Maybe not. I, I don't know. Uh, we'll talk Mississippi State baseball with Chris Lamonis, the head coach for the Bulldogs. When we come back, he'll join us on the Farm Bureau guest line. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. From the Venable Glass Talk Mississippi on the Super Talk app, your local Super Talk station, and at supertalk.fm. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Alongside Brian Haydad and Michael Borky, I'm Richard Cross. We're glad to have you along in the Pearl River Resort studio. Time for us to go to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Uh, Chris Lamonis joins us right now, head baseball coach at Mississippi State, coming off a weekend in which the Bulldogs got two out of three against Georgia Southern. Dominating pitching performance in game number one, a 5-1 to one win. Lost the second game 11-4 to four, and then came back and got a 10-2 win yesterday to uh, close out the weekend. Coach, appreciate your time this afternoon. Always good to get a series win. And let's just start with Friday's game. On the mound. Yeah, we. Uh, I thought so Nate was great. You know, really, really good. Uh, kept us in it the whole game, gave us a chance, kind of, you know, our offense has started off a little slow, to, to say the least. Um, but he was able to keep us in the ball game and let us build a lead and, and was dominant. Second game of the weekend, um, I get the feeling kind of disappointing all the way around, maybe not as much as you wanted on the mound and, and couldn't really get it going offensively. Yeah, you know, um, I thought their guy did a good job, and they did a great job against our starter. And our starter was really good last week. Um, going back, watching videotape, it's not like he walked a lot of guys. They just got hits, you know. And uh, I think in that game we gave up seven o oh, two or one two hits. So my little league coach wouldn't be real happy. So they, uh, you know, we got to put guys away. We got to make pitches. Um, we just made some mistakes in those counts, and, and they capitalized on it. You know. Uh, give Georgia Southern credit, and uh, set us up. And I thought their guy pitched well. Their starter pitched really well against us that day. Um, and, and when you fall behind, just you know, just, just gets tougher and tougher. And then yesterday in the third game, you're, you're down one to nothing going into the bottom of the fifth inning. Gerangelo keeps it at one nothing, kind of through that entire stretch, and then you just kind of go off offensively. Three in the fifth, one in the sixth, five in the seventh, add a run in the eighth, and kind of cruise – 
to the 10 to 2 win. What did you learn about your ball club yesterday? Well, I, I joked with the players after the game when Bryce Chance hits the. We've been waiting for the bases loaded double for a week and a half, it feels like. You know, uh, we've left a lot of guys on base and just, you know, uh, haven't got that big hit. When Bryce, Bryce got that double, it's like it let the air out of, you know, everything and we're able to relax a little bit and, uh, you know, had some fun. We stole some bases. We went first to third. We had some big hits. Um, and it felt like normal baseball, you know. So I think that was the biggest thing. The biggest play in the game was definitely that swing by Bryce. Coach, you mentioned that double. You only had three extra base hits on the weekend. You had three doubles, no home runs, no triples. When you talk about your guys' approach at the plate, you're seeing a lot of ground balls right now. What are you seeing from your guys this early in the season at the plate? Well, we've <laughs> we haven't been good, number one, but we've also faced a lot of sink and a lot of soft. A lot of lefties, so it's a lot of pull ground balls into the ground. Uh, I think when you, you know, in, in some of our games, when you see us with a little more pop, it's it's a little more of the fastball guys, which you see in our league. But we have to hit everything, you know. But I think going into going into Sunday's game, I think we had 90 ground balls and 40 or 39, uh, you know, fly balls, which is not you'd rather be even or a little bit more on the fly ball side. And we just, you know, is that trying to do too much or chasing? I don't, I don't know, but. Um, I thought we got out of that a little bit on Sunday afternoon. You've been obviously using a lot of pitchers in these games. You know, in the early part of the season, you want to do that as guys settle into their roles. But three guys we haven't seen thus far this year: Pico Khan, Bradley Lofton, Stone Simmons. What's the status of those guys? Do you, do you think they're going to be close to pitching anytime soon, or is it just yeah, a wait and see I, kind of deal? I think they're all getting close, so um, they're all working through. Bradley was a little behind, had some tendonitis, and so. Uh, he's working back, Stone's working back, and Pico's just working. You know, he's Pico's right on track for what he's, you know, his his rehab and everything. So, you know, we're not, you know, Pico's, you know, pretty close too. So I think you'll see these guys here starting to get them out here in the future. I'm still thinking about what you said about the um, the, the big bases loaded double. Do you buy into the whole hitting is contagious, not hitting is contagious? I know it's a little hard to quantify sometimes, but it's like what you see with your eyes, it's like, oh, wow, somebody just kind of loosened things up a little bit, and then it's almost like everybody gets loose. Yeah, that, it, believe me, I've been in that dugout. You should have been in my dugout on Tuesday. Um, you, you'd believe in it, too. You know, it's just you, you get guys, our sport's different. Our sport's different. You know, in football, you can just rah-rah and, run somebody over um, and get pissed off. You know, baseball is not the same. You know, the, the harder you try sometimes, the less you get. And, uh, you know, you got to be able to take a deep breath and, and, and get your swing off. And that's what Bryce was able to do. I mean, we have some of the better hitters in the country. I mean, they've proven it. Hunter Hines, Dakota Jordan, Bryce Chance, Logan Kohler. You know, getting us, us getting Mershon and Kohler back this weekend was huge. You know, yeah. uh, you saw it, you saw it in, in both wins on the weekend. I certainly don't want to dwell on it, but I need, do need to ask you about the two midweek games. Those were two very different type games. Couldn't score in the first one, scored a bunch in the second one, and really were helped out by a bunch of uh, freebies in that second game, but then couldn't get the outs at the end of the game. I know that was a disappointing two days for, for your guys. Was there like a kind of a, like a gut check, reality check conversation that has to happen after those games? Even yeah, there as was as on is? Thursday. You know, there was on Thursday. And, that you know, the – you know, both of them go back to being not offensive. And I know we scored 10 runs. You say, how are you not offensive when you score 10 runs? Well, I think we had 18 freebies in that game. 
you know, and we just we every time they get bait, we they get bases loaded, we get bases loaded, and we let them out of it, and we don't get a big hit. They come in with momentum, and they just had momentum at the end of the game. Uh, I've been pretty pleased, you know. Besides those, you know, that that last inning in that game, um, the start of the Georgia Southern, I thought we pitched pretty well and actually played pretty good defense. You know, but we just, you know, we got to get going offensively. We got to put people away. We got to, you know, we got to be a scary lineup at times. Like you said, it's a lot of ground balls, not a lot of extra base hits right now, and that stuff will come. It all evens out over a season. Um, but we got, you know, those games that just, it, you know, and, and offenses, I start thinking about myself and I'm just wanting to get a hit. Um, you know, if you put it into your teammates, you know, good things happen. And, and we, we've been talking about that all week and, and trying to get these guys going. We like our ball club. I know it didn't look like it for about three or four days there, but um, <laughs> I, I still like our ball club, especially as, as we, you know, get some guys back in that in that mix that can really help us out. All right, so, so that plays into what I wanted to ask you just for a second. And, and you were more than welcome to tell us that we're idiots and have no idea what we're talking about. But going into the year, we talked a lot about the offense that was coming back, and it felt like offensively this team was going to be fine and you needed to wait and see on the pitching. Do you still believe in this offense? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it happens in baseball all the time. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, Dakota George is going to hit. Hunter Hines is going to hit. Uh, you know, I hope he gets a home run soon. I think he'll relax once he gets him a homer. Um, but yeah, these guys, they, they've done it. I mean, you look up and down our lineup, Amani Larry's hit. You know, it's just, you know, this is baseball. Baseball's just a different sport, like I said earlier. And, um, yeah, we believe in this group. This group's got, you know, Dylan Cup, my nine hole. I mean, this kid was, you know, Team USA shortstop. You know, we just gotten off to a slow start there. And we were great our last weekend of preseason. You know, kind of caught us off guard, to be honest with you. Um, but they'll, they'll hit. They're going to they're relax and hit and, and have a lot of great games at the plate. I, I opened the door for you to call us idiots, and you didn't take advantage of it. I just say that behind your back. So don't worry, I'm not going to play on the radio. <laughs> no. That'd be mean. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. So um, I, I wouldn't go there. I, it's, it's just real. It's real stuff, you know. It's uh, yeah. you know, basically you know, that first week. You know, nobody wants to come out slow the first week, and there's some teams that yeah, you come out and you're you're not clicking on all cylinders, and it's frustrating because you're you're wanting to do good. You want a good start. You want to. I get it, you know. And uh, we just we can't do anything about the games. I, I'll be honest with you. The two games that that Tuesday, Wednesday, shoot, I don't sleep those nights. You know, we, we got our tail beat on Saturday. Our ace pitcher, they got like nine hits off of them in three innings, and that, that happens in the game. I just feel like we gave some of the other ones away, and that's, that's, that's a bad taste in your mouth as a coach. You, you take responsibility for those, and, and um, you know. But like I said, I, you know, we're looking forward to the next week, and we just need to play good ball day in and day out and let this team get better. Coach, you got kind of a condensed week this week. You have the midweek game tomorrow, and then you're a Thursday, Friday, Saturday series with Mount St. Mary's. You know, this early in the season, does that concern you that your pitchers might be a day ahead of schedule as far as as far as getting back out there on the mound? And and who do you plan to go with uh, to start the game uh, tomorrow? We uh, we're going Colby Holcomb tomorrow, so he's going to start tomorrow's game, and then we're going to uh, you know they're just going to have to bounce up. It is a concern. It was Mount uh, Mount St. Mary's had some travel issues late that we had to change to a Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I, I don't like doing that, um, but you know it is what it is. Just you want to play your game, so everybody's going to have to bounce up a little bit, um, and then they get an extra day the next week. So but the biggest concern is when you play a Tuesday, Wednesdays. Those are those are always tough on your on your ball club. You know, you feel like you stretch your arms. That's what that's why Dome start on Friday was so big because we were going into that game and. You know, we had used a lot of our bullpen guys on Tuesday, Wednesday. So 
So him being able to take the rock on Friday and give us seven innings was huge. Coach, always appreciate your time. Great catching up, and we'll talk to you next Monday. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. Chris Lamonis, head baseball coach at Mississippi State, joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. If he doesn't like what we say, he said he'll just say it behind our backs, not going to blast us on the radio. That's awfully kind of him, I think. Yeah, We'll never hear about it. It'll be great. Yeah. Uh, Sports Talk Mississippi, more with you coming up right after this in the Pearl River Resort Studio. If it's happening in Mississippi sports, you'll hear about it first, right here. Sports Talk Mississippi. Ed mentioned it in the conversation with Chris Lamonis. Thanks to him for joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Bit of a uh, quirky schedule this week for Mississippi State. Three o'clock game tomorrow against Jackson State, leading into a six o'clock tip off tomorrow night at Humphrey Coliseum for Mississippi State and Kentucky. And then. 3 o'clock on Thursday, 3 o'clock on Friday, 2 o'clock on Saturday for the three-game series with Mount St. Mary's. Chris Lamonis told us that was because of some travel issues that they had that could not be helped. Um, so, yeah, a little bit of a quirky schedule that has led to some uh, some consternation among Bulldog fans. Consternation? Consternation? I mean, you know, it's it's tough to make some of these games, I'll tell you that. I mean, you're talking about 3 o'clock on a Thursday. I mean, I, that's it's tough. So I get that. But, I mean, you got to do what you got to do to play the games at the same time. So it is what it is there. Yeah. I, uh, by the way, tomorrow, I'm just, I'm just, I feel a Brian slight Haydad, sore throat coming on. Brian king. Got to do you go. what you got to do. Throat, it is what it sore is. Sore throat coming on. Tomorrow, uh, probably about 5.30, I'm going to need to go. I just, I don't know. I feel like at, at that moment, I'm going to be sick. Maybe like 5.53. <sighs> I might be full-on sick at that point. I might. I, need, I think I need to get out of there. Mm-hmm. I hear you. <laughs> I hear you, you bum. Sports Talk Mississippi. Streaming at Supertalk.fm I mean, and Supertalk TV. I'll, our text line I'll work open. 88% of the day, unlike some. Hmm. We'll see. Um, you know, it could be that we're in the middle of a massively important conversation at that point. That it would just be unfair could be. for you to leave at the time. It might be. It might be. We'll see. We'll see. We'll, we'll see where it takes us. So. Will I sound a different then tomorrow I'm, sitting in the big chair? Yes. Yeah, there is a different sound. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, okay. and then you know, I'm gonna need all day Wednesday to be off to to recuperate too. So I won't be here on Wednesday. What is Wednesday? I actually won't be here on Wednesday. So, what are you doing on Wednesday? 
I'm going to Huntsville for AEW Dynamite. Hey, I can appreciate a valid reason. That's uh, that's that's there you good. Go. There you, you go. should just take Tuesday the, uh... and Wednesday off. Well, I don't want to take Tuesday off because we got the game. I mean, I'd like to be here to help you preview the game. Well, I mean, we can talk about it. We don't want to get in the way of your fandom. I'm just saying. That's not even being a fan. That's like I just, that's gonna be so difficult to get to the stadium. I understand. Uh, I understand. I don't have the uh, the highway patrol uh, escort that you get from the stadium when you got to get to to the game. You should take a chopper. I don't. I don't have one of those either. You could land it right on the roof of the hump. Be like the world's That'd largest helicopter landing. Just rappel pad. down, rappel down to my seat. Yeah, there's a, a trap door to uh, come from the roof into the uh, into yeah. the building. All right, yeah. so so state baseball this weekend. We we talked with Chris Lamonos a little while ago. Friday was good, and and we talked about that on the air on Friday. Nate Dome was was really really, really outstanding. Saturday was a bit of a disaster, no. No, yes, yes, it definitely a disaster is a good word to get beat up like that. To to especially with with you know the week before Kyle Stephen had looked the part of an SEC pitcher, right? Completely dominant. He didn't get the win, but completely dominated that Arizona that um, Air Force lineup, and, and you know gave you some hope. All right, that's a guy that maybe they can build this staff around, and then he just gets hammered against uh, against Georgia Southern. A team that the day before couldn't put the bat on the ball hardly at all. So that that that's very disappointing for Mississippi State. They, they need consistency, you know. I mean, if if you get a, a better start out of Kyle Steven, maybe you're probably getting getting the win there. Whereas as now it's two weekends in a row you've lost games, and now State's you're sitting here with four you know, those, those midweek games. You, you've got four non-conference losses in what is a very this is a very soft schedule. Look at the teams they've played thus far: Air Force. Austin P, Georgia Southern. If any of those teams are in the NCAA tournament, I'll be really, really surprised. So you've lost four games already. I, I don't know that they can lose another one before SEC play starts and have a realistic chance of being an NCAA tournament team this year. So how realistic is that when you talk about the remaining non-conference schedule? Jackson State, three with Mount St. Mary's. Southern Miss, three with Evansville. South Alabama, New Orleans, then you jump into league play. And you've still got some midweek games that are mixed in throughout the uh, the course yeah. of the year. Well, when a team drops two to Austin P, you can't really sit there and, with a straight face and say, well, they're not going to lose any more this year. I mean, you have to assume that there will be losses. This needs to be an undefeated week for Mississippi State. You're playing a SWAC opponent and a Mount St. Mary's team that's 1-7 on the year, I believe, uh, they've lost. They lost two out of three the first weekend to Norfolk State. If, if you can't sweep that team, I, I don't know what you plan to do the rest of the way when you're playing LSU. I mean, your first three conference weekends are LSU at home, at A and M, at Florida. I mean, that the the, I, the potential of being zero and nine in those games is high. Hmm. Yeah. And that's not what you want to see. No. At all. It's been kind of a mixed bag for the entire SEC so far. When you look at records, Georgia hasn't lost yet. They've been pretty impressive 
they got into like a back-and-forth seesaw battle yesterday with the Norse of Northern Kentucky. South Carolina and Tennessee are both 7-1. and one. Kentucky is 6-1. and one. Florida 5-1. and one. Vandy and Missouri 5-3-4-3. Alabama hasn't lost yet. But this is nothing new, right? Alabama tends to not play a very difficult non-conference schedule, and regardless of how good they are or not, it feels like you look up almost every year, and they're like 20-1 and one, or 18-2 yeah. and two, or, or something like that. So they're off to an 8 no to the end of the year. They get to the end of the year, and they're 32-24. and 24. Yeah. Um, A&M's off to a 7-0 and start, and they are mashing the baseball so far this year. Yeah. LSU has the one loss. That was the Friday game to Stony Brook this past weekend. Auburn's got one loss. Arkansas's got two losses. Arkansas has played a difficult early schedule. Did you see some of the pitching numbers for Arkansas this weekend? Hagen Smith tied a school record with 17 yeah. strikeouts. Um, their Sunday guy yesterday had double-digit strikeouts. I don't Molina, I think is his name. Is it Morris Molina? And I think as a staff on Saturday, I'm doing this from memory, I think I read they had 24 strikeouts as a staff. It was something Saturday's ridiculous. Saturday's like- loss. That was a 13-inning loss, but... Um, but still, yeah. Uh, and then you got Ole Miss and State both at four and four, which is Ugh. not good through eight games Gross. in the early season. No, terrible. And again, it's not like these two teams have gone out and played elite non-conference opponents. Yeah, you know they they play teams that are not going to be postseason teams in all likelihood. Yeah. Look, I really, really want both of them to be better than they've been. And so maybe I am just desperately looking for anything to latch on to. But I thought there were some signs of progress for both this weekend. Signs, for sure. It, it Just the, the cynic in me. And the, the problem with, with Ole Miss now is uh, Iowa just got swept on the weekend. So is that even going to be a test that we thought it was going into the season? Uh at this it, point, you almost hope not. You just need wins. And you need to stack wins. But, I, I uh, frankly, you, you're supposed to – everybody in the SEC should mash the heck out of high points day three pitching. Um, so, from a confidence perspective, that should be – because th- there's two things, right? Positive or negative. They, they were pressing. It was clear that they had no confidence at the plate – Guys that had hit at the Division One level elsewhere at a high level were hitting 100 going into Game 2 yesterday. And those guys aren't going to hit 100 forever when they hit 400 against much better teams than High Point and Hawaii, etc., Arkansas State. So a, a correction was coming. What I would love to know is why on earth were these guys pressing when they were playing Arkansas State? Why was their confidence so low on a Friday night against High Point? I'm in wait-and-see mode until conference play at this point. Yeah, and that's fine. The only thing that I would – like, I get what you're saying. Everybody in the SEC should crush the third starter for High Point. Completely agree. Completely agree. But that's kind of the case for most of the opponents 
when you are in a non-conference, just run-of-the-mill non-conference weekend. And when you look around the SEC, there's only one team that came close to doing that yesterday, and that was Texas A&M, who scored 21 on Wagner. I mean, Florida scored 12 against Columbia. Tennessee scored 12 against Albany. Georgia scored 12 against Northern Kentucky, but gave up 11. So, again, I'm, I know I'm looking for glass half full. Talk Mississippi. Your all-access pass to all things sports in Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. On the Super Talk app, your local Super Talk station, and at supertalk.fm. We will start the 5 o'clock hour with the college football fix. Driven by Ford. That's coming up in just a few minutes. But first, we will wrap things up in this 4 o'clock hour on Sports Talk Mississippi with Brian Haydad and Michael Borky. I'm Richard Cross. We are glad to have you along for the ride. You can join us on the C Spire text line, 601 879 4395 601-879-4395. Sports Talk Mississippi is brought to you in part by Visit Oxford. Find them online at visitoxfordms.com. Keep up with all the things that are going on in and around Oxford. You can check out the event calendar. Of course, you can see the uh, lineup for Double Decker, the Double Decker Arts Festival, which is coming up at the end of April you can get to that through their website, visitoxfordms.com or doubledeckerfestival.com. Be sure to check them out. Porky, you look like you had something you were about to say. Uh, no, I'm just listening. Like and you, and you, okay. slightly confused about the, uh, the the text we got. And with all due respect, I hope you don't think I'm – it's just you messaged us and – he said, I just started listening. Y'all may have already talked about it, but I just wonder if there are any conversations at State about the future of Limonis. That is disastrous of a start as they had. I mean, getting swept by Austin P in the midweek is as brutal as it can get. It is really bad. But they're, they're going <clears> to <throat> get deep into conference play first before there's any kind of movement at all. So I don't think it's worth us talking about because nothing's going to happen right now yeah so so the answer is yes and no yes there have been big picture conversations about mississippi state's baseball program but those are macro conversations there really haven't been micro conversations other than brian haydad saying that his guess his gut what he thinks based on what he's watched over the last couple of years and going into this season is that mississippi state may have a coaching search at the end of the season I don't want to speak for Brian Haydad, but my guess is your preference would be that that not happen. Because if it doesn't happen, it means Mississippi State had a better season than you were anticipating. Right? Brian Haydad, the Bulldog fan, agrees with you. Yeah, would prefer for that not to happen. Brian Haydad, the businessman, knows nothing better for clicks than a coaching search. So 
Hey, hey, no doubt. We'll see. I, I was talking to a buddy about this. He was like, so because he asked me about like was the Mississippi State football season was that like bad? Did you guys lose listeners? And I was like. You either want them to be so good that they're competing for a championship or so bad that they're firing a coach. It's the purgatory that's, that becomes the problem. So we got the best of both worlds during football season. We got a really, really, really good team, and we got a coach getting fired. Football season went great around here from a content perspective. And, and look, I'll just tell you because I, I – I see the spreadsheet, the numbers for Thunder and Lightning, which is the Mississippi State podcast hosted by Brian Haydad and Robbie Falk. November and December, really, really, really large <laughs> listenership, especially in Nepal, but everywhere. <laughs> huge, huge in Nepal. Uh, yeah. And if you're interested in sponsoring our coaching search updates, reach out to me at Haydad oh, at supertalk.fm. Stop. This coaching search update brought to you by. Yeah. Um, and on Thunder and Lightning, you get uh, you get it pretty unfiltered. That's exactly what you get with uh, Rebel Report as well, hosted by Michael Borky. It's, he, he's not uh, – Borky is not known for blowing sunshine up your hiney. No. Um, is that true? Is that is that the rep? Well, I mean, I listen to you talk on a daily basis. You're not exactly the old sunshine pumper. Except for with the Ole Miss football team, because at its present, I think the program is in incredible. There's sunshine there. That's yeah. not you don't have pumping to pump it sunshine. when it's there. That's, be, that's being honest about yeah. whatever that's it is just that you're being honest. About. So, yeah. pumping sunshine is when things are not good and you pretend that they are. Yeah. Yeah. True. If you were talking about how good they were in 2018. Then you were pumping sunshine. No, that was just Barrett Salee before the Alabama game. Yeah. <laughs> now, I will tell you that Michael Borky tends to be a little more pessimistic sometimes. Yeah, I take a... I, I need to me? Be, I need to be proven that it's good before I tell you that it's good, you know? No, I didn't say more pessimistic than you. I would say, you must similar say I made a tendencies in the way good living. Yeah. that you look at the product. Then I tend to be a little more not Pollyanna. You're like this a, guy you're did a homer. Before I'm like it's, but it's. Hey, Dad, I'm saying the exact same things about Mississippi State baseball. Yeah. I don't like seeing guys get fired. I don't. No. I, I, I don't. There becomes a time where it's inevitable. But you know, I'm not super reactionary in terms of. Fire him. I got to see a real reason. College football. Try it sometime. (laughs) We're back right after this. This is a place for crazy people. If it's sports in Mississippi, you'll hear about it here. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. With you, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. Thanks for being with us on this Monday afternoon, the 26th of February. 
That's right. It is the 26th of February, even though it feels like the 26th of April outside. Don't question it. Just smile and enjoy it. And isn't it going to be like this for most of the week? Um. I noticed that there was like a weird dip in the weather on Thursday when it was going to get cold for like a day and just bounce right back. So uh, that's that's nice. Porky, I was looking at the, the Jackson forecast since I was going to be there some this week. Yeah. We got like it. in the 80s, and then it drops crazy on either Wednesday night or Thursday night, and then it pops right back. So Spring is here. Didn't the, uh, the Groundhog, a.k.a. the committee, uh, say that I, we have an early spring? I thought it was another yes. three, four weeks of winter, but I don't know. No, it was early spring, and, and so far, so good. He loved right. to see it. All right, Puxatawney Phil. You do. We appreciate it. We good appreciate guy. that. Good kid. Yeah, so, so Jackson, 82 tomorrow, 69 on Wednesday with some showers. If they don't hold up a Nutria rat somewhere in Louisiana to do the same thing, then what are we even doing here? So we'd have P-E-A-U-X, and then the rest, Satani. Yeah. <laughs> Just a bunch of Cajuns with a nutria rat. Yeah. And then afterwards, they put it in their gumbo. They get a new like, one every year and oh. just recycle the Nutria. Yeah, we, we got we got Punxsutawney Phil, and we got Nikolai the Nutria. I, I don't know. Yes. Yeah. Nailed it. Yeah. Anyway. Um, coming to the, you from the... I mean, the 50s Friday, so no shorts for us at M-Trade, probably. No. No. Not on Friday. But oh, well. that's okay. They are yeah. expecting over 100 teams for the uh, tournament this weekend. At in Park 100 days. In Oxford. No, not not well. Yes, that is coming. That is coming soon. I mean, can you believe that we're like? I guess we're still three months away from the start of the hundred teams countdown. Roughly, yeah. no, yeah, yeah, we're right at three months away from the start of the countdown of one hundred teams in one hundred days. One hundred eighty-seven days, or if we want to use week zero, at one hundred eighty. Uh, not weeks ago. Yeah, we're going to yeah, need uh, some lead-up content because while we love the start of football season, there's not going to be much game previewing going on for the games here for week one. Not a ton. It'll just be a celebration of the return of football. This is Sports Talk Mississippi coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studio. PearlRiverResort.com is their website. Go there to see about all of the live events that are coming. You can buy tickets online for the uh, live events that are happening at the Silver Star Convention Center. Check them out, PearlRiverResort.com. The C Spire text line is open to you at 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. Four three nine five. You've got your business, and C Spire's got your back with best-in-class technology solutions powered by their team of two hundred plus certified engineers. Visit cspire.com slash business to learn more. C Spire customer inspired. Time right now for the college football fix.
College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Log on to buyfordnow.com and find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. You can test drive a Ford truck at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. A little light on the news in the college football world right now, but a uh, little bit of um, little bit of staff movement. Borky on the analyst front at Ole Miss. Yeah, and, and this one's a little bit different. So we we certainly do not cover the comings and goings of analysts on staffs. There's too many, and the overwhelming majority of people don't even really know who they are. However, this one's a little bit different uh, in Oxford. So. Lane Kiffin has seemingly kept an analyst on staff that is a quarterback analyst, works directly with quarterbacks, kind of like what you see in the NFL. You've got an offensive line coach and an assistant offensive line coach. Kind of feels like a similar dynamic here, that you've got your OC slash quarterback coach, and then there's an analyst that also works directly with quarterbacks. And again, wouldn't bring this up unless it was pretty unique. Ole Miss just hired, uh, reportedly, Corey Dennis, and that's a name that you might not be familiar with. Uh, He played at Georgia Tech, didn't play quarterback at Georgia Tech. But since 2015, he's been at Ohio State the last three seasons as Ohio State's quarterback's coach. So he coached C.J. Stroud as the quarterback coach at Ohio State for the last three seasons. New O.C. with Chip Kelly. His services uh, apparently no longer needed. That'll be Chip Kelly's role. And so he was looking for a place to go. Reportedly, Utah was a destination, but has chosen to go to Ole Miss instead. So as analysts go, C.J. Stroud's quarterback coach is a bit of a unique one, especially when it's not even an on-the-field staffer. Seems like a pretty good hire. Yeah, and again, we're really light on the college football news, so got to stretch a little bit to get there. But this is definitely a unique... Unique one. Well, and then there was one more movement or one more piece of movement in terms of football staff at Ole Miss. Um, Alex Falk, who was on Twitter known as Coach Suge, S-U-G-E. He was the director of high school and junior college relations at Ole Miss. He has left Ole Miss to become the director of recruiting at NC State. So that certainly is an upgrade for him to get a – Director of recruiting position yeah. at an ACC school, and you got to be happy for guys that have the opportunity to move up. No doubt, but it does mean that the recruiting department at Ole Miss is going to look a lot different in the coming year than it did the past couple of years, with the departure of Austin Thomas to LSU a couple of weeks ago. And now Alex Falk moving on as well. And they hired so, Billy. Uh, yes. Yes. Glasscock, is that right? Yeah, from uh, okay. from Texas. Yes. That's correct. That is yes. correct. That's still a pretty yeah. wild coup, by the way, that that they hired yeah. Texas's guy for the same position. That is... Unique. It's a good hire. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, any I mean, way you yeah. slice it. Anytime, yeah. Any anytime you take somebody and it's a, a, a it's a lateral move in terms of uh, title, but clearly 
you got him from a program that, you know, no, no offense to Ole Miss, but Texas is a bigger program than Ole Miss. Yeah, that's a huge hire. I mean, breaking news at six. I know, right? Thanks. Well, you know, I have to preface those things. People are like, oh, I don't, I don't want to hear it. Yes. Not you two. Others. Tim and Enterprise says that um, Corey Dennis is Urban Meyer's son-in-law. That is true. There you go. That means his picture was on that coffee table with 150 <laughs> other pictures. The weirdest coffee table on earth. Richard, have you seen Urban Meyer's coffee table? Yeah, I remember that picture floating so, around. So if you guys <laughs> haven't seen Urban Meyer's coffee table. It is inexplicable. Table, their coffee table has nothing but picture frames on it stacked like dominoes covering the entire thing. Yeah. Like you can't see all of the pictures because there's, there's no one place to put another. your coffee. It's a coffee table. Yeah. But there's no place to put your coffee unless you're going to move your picture of somebody's, you know, great niece. It's just framed four by sixes. It's a lot of family. Hashtag family. Family or family. Yeah, family. Somebody said they would trade Austin for Oxford. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on what you like. There are a lot of people that are, like, crazy in love with Austin, Texas. Two very but, different places. Very different. Uh, yes. Yeah, one's more pulled pork and the other is brisket. Yeah. It's just the sheer size of Austin. It, it's just. Yeah. Yeah, one's a big city. The other is a college town. Yeah, Austin's growing so Even much without that it's merging with Texas San Antonio. Ooh, a metroplex. Seriously, <laughs> they're just keep, they like keep that. growing in each other's direction to the point where they're just going to merge. Yeah, metro area population of Austin is two point two seven million. It's continuing to grow. It's growing yeah. at two to three percent per year, which is significant growth. Means by like the year twenty one sixty, all of America will be Austin, Texas. And if, I, yeah. I don't know that it works the same way as compound interest, but, yeah, you get the idea. Mike Bianco joins us next on the Farm Bureau Guest Line. We'll talk about Ole Miss's weekend against High Point when we come back. It's time for more Sports Talk Mississippi. Finally. Finally. On Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk app, and at supertalk.fm. Welcome back. Rolling along in the 5 o'clock hour on Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Mike Bianco joins us now on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Ole Miss coming off a weekend where they won two out of three, got the backside of the series against High Point. Coach, really appreciate uh, you agreeing to visit with us. After kind of a crazy schedule start to the year, it's almost like you got into a, a little bit of a routine. I know it had to feel good for, for you but maybe more specifically for, for your players to kind of get going offensively over the last couple of games of the weekend. Richard, can you hear me? I got you, Coach. You hear me okay? Yeah, I didn't hear you. kind of heard uh, something up until you said, hey, you got to feel good. Uh, but anyway, good to be with you. you know, uh, sorry I didn't get that last part. No, I, it, it's good. I was just saying, had to feel good for you and especially for your players to see over the last couple of games the the offense get going. 
Oh, no doubt, no doubt. And, uh, you know, just, you know, a, kind of a tough start for us. And, um, you know, it was, um, you know, it's tough. You know, I, I've said jokingly, you know, uh, you know, knowing that we're going to Hawaii opening weekend, a lot of people were excited. But as we got closer and closer to Hawaii, you know, you started feeling, man, this logistically was probably a little more than we thought it was going to be, you know, to mm. to get a travel party of 55 people and 100 bags and all of that halfway around the world to open up with 23 new faces in your you know, roster and all of that. But um, we got through that, and uh, then we got back home, didn't play very well in all phases. But, you know, obviously offensively, uh, you know, it's, it's it's been tough. You know, but uh, the guys have hung in there. Uh, I really like the, the the club, and you're exactly right. To, to, to have two big games to end the weekend was big for us. Yesterday especially, where you, you put 11 on the board in the first inning, uh, I think David Kellum was the first one to say a, a home run cycle in that first inning, where you have a solo shot, a two-run shot, a three-run shot, and a grand slam. I don't know that I've ever seen that before. Um, but really kind of set the tone, and then you just kind of kept pouring it on throughout the course of the game. Did and you're right. I, I don't think I've ever been any a part of anything like that. I wasn't sure if we've ever scored 11 runs in an inning, but I was told no, that tied. I don't know LSU in you know 2018 or something. You know they they got all the stats, so I just listened to them. But you're right. The important part wasn't you know records and how many home runs you hit in an inning. Is that you know can you continue to play? Can you continue to put zeros up on the scoreboard on the other side of the ball? I was really proud of the way Sonia pitched. Uh, you know, with the wind blowing out, um, you know, again, you kind of feel, especially there after the first or second inning, you know, we, we still got a pitch because they can hit it up in the air too. Uh, and I thought, you know, proud of the way he pitched and got to pitch some other guys, you know, there that needed to pitch, you know, Liam Doyle, uh, Austin Simmons, and of course, Connor Spencer. So, you know, overall, it was a really good day for us, you know, on both sides of the ball. So let's talk about the, the pitching on, on kind of two different levels. Let, let's start with starting pitching uh, on the weekends. What you've seen so far, uh, do you feel like there's more there with, with JT Quinn, Gunnar Dennis off to a 2-0 and start, and then you mentioned uh, Sonia yesterday. Yeah, you know, we, we got to pitch better, you know, at the front end, uh, front end of the game. And, you know, the four guys that we started – um, down in Hawaii or over in Hawaii that you mentioned, Quinn, uh, Dennis, Sonia, and Maddox, you know, none of them pitched well. You know, they, they competed at times and, and gave us opportunities to win, especially Quinn and, and Dennis. Uh, but, but, you know, we need to be cleaner. You know, you're not always going to be perfect, but we got to be able to put some zeros up. Uh, and so, yeah, I think there's a lot more in their tank. Obviously, we think they're, they're the best guys. That's why we gave them the opportunity. But once you get the opportunity, you got to continue to, to uh, deserve the opportunity. You know, we, uh, we're moving Dennis to Friday this weekend uh, just because you go with the theory of, you know, you want your, your guy that's you know, the best, at least the best at that point, and the guy that gives you the best opportunity to pitch on Friday. And, you know, I think Gunner's done that. And so we'll, we'll pitch him on Friday. Uh, JT will go on Saturday and Sonia on Sunday. Um, but, yes, I, I agree with the point that I think there's more in them. Uh, they haven't pitched awful, but they haven't pitched great yet either. 
And then the bullpen piece, and, and there are a lot of guys that you could talk about, but I think there, there are three that really stand out. Mason Nichols has given you some extended relief. Uh, that's a role that's been important for you and your teams in the past, to have that guy that can kind of bridge the gap. And then Josh Mallett's, you know, you, you always wonder with a guy coming back off of an elbow surgery what it's going to look like. He's been really, really good, and Connor <laughs> Spencer at the back end is a, a new face, a new name for people. No, you're exactly right, and uh, those would be the three that I pick. And we pitched 19 people to this point, which is the most we've ever pitched through eight games. Uh, and you know, a lot of those guys that are in the bullpen have pitched really well. But you know, Mason won the game in that extra inning game in opening day. You know, in Hawaii uh, was really you know great. Pitched four shutout innings and you know, enabled us to win that baseball game. And then came in and threw an inning of, of relief on uh, I believe last uh, Tuesday or Wednesday against Arkansas State. So he's been really sharp and to be expected. A guy that's a veteran, a guy that's been in the bullpen, and a guy that's pitched uh, twice for Team USA in the trials there, so uh, the expectations are high for him, but you're right, with Mallets, he he's really been brilliant. Uh, really happy and proud of him, because we knew he was healthy, uh, but it's tough to run out there when you haven't pitched in 18 months. Last time you know, he threw in a competitive game was in the College World Series you know, Championship Series that, that, uh, that Saturday you know, against Oklahoma, and he's been just really lights out. And then Connor Spencer's only been out there twice, but it's been pretty impressive. I think five strikeouts out of his six outs. So those three guys have been good. And, and there's other pieces that I think will continue to grow. Guys like you saw yesterday, Simmons, uh, you know, Austin, the, the, the redshirt quarterback uh, from the football that's, you know, been, I think is just, uh, uh, when you look to his future, the ceiling is so, so high. Liam Doyle's pitched uh, pretty well two times out, and others you know, that I think will continue to, to add to a very strong bullpen. So in terms of scheduling, you play eight games in ten days with 5,000 miles of travel, give or take, mixed in, and then you get one day off, and now you're going to start a stretch of five games in six, ga- uh, six days, including Iowa coming in this weekend. It's a pretty good, pretty highly thought-of Iowa program. Busy week. Yeah, and you're right. It just kind of fell that way, and really the truth, to to be very candid, you know, originally uh, we thought we were only going to play three in Hawaii, and then uh, somebody said, you know, you travel halfway around the world, you spend so much money to go there, you should play four games. And so we decided, and then scheduling-wise, it was just hard to find another date for Arkansas State, and we would add to play a double midweek somewhere. And we knew that we this team was going to be really deep pitching-wise, and so we just said, "Hey, listen, you know, we're going to have to see a lot of guys anyway. Let's let's we'll 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 do that." And so uh, we knew what we were getting into, uh, but we thought we had the pitching to handle it, and I think we do. You know, and uh, you know, th- th- this Tuesday, Wednesday against Little Rock and in, in Missouri State again, it's going to provide opportunities uh, for a lot of those new guys to to get out on the mound, pitch at Swayze, and for us to see them. And lastly, like you said, a very good you know, Iowa team, a top 25 team, a regional postseason team coming in, you know, uh, big challenge for us this weekend. And, and, Mike, last thing for you, with, with Iowa coming in, obviously you got two games before that, but is, will this be the closest thing to SEC arms that your guys see before you get to conference play? I, 
I don't think there's a doubt of that. And, you know, not to take anything away from the, you know, the, the three other opponents that we play on the weekend, but I think, you know, at least going into it, uh, you know, the, the only ranked, you know, opponent of the, of the four weekend opponents, uh, a power five conference team, a team that's used to going to postseason and, and possibly a first round pick on Friday night. Uh, you know, out of Iowa. So, yeah, a, a challenge for our offense. So I'm glad we, we're, we're starting to swing it a little bit better the last couple of days because we're going to need it this weekend. Coach, I always appreciate your time. We'll talk to you next Monday. Thanks, Richard. That's Mike Bianco, head baseball coach at Ole Miss, joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. There, there's no getting around the fact that Ole Miss didn't play well to start the season. And Mike Bianco has said as much in post-game interviews, media availabilities. He was on Reb Talk with David Kellum last Tuesday night, I think it was, and and said the same thing. And he continued to say it. It, it kind of almost felt like Groundhog Day. Like he was saying the same thing over and over and over when he was saying, I've watched this team practice and play together for the last six months, and they're better than they played to start the year. You, you you split the series at Hawaii. You know, if you want to factor in the travel to that, I think that's real. Or if you want to say, look, you play who you play, where you play them, bottom line is they didn't play very well. And then they didn't play well against Arkansas State in the midweek or against High Point in the, uh, in the first game. But to me, the biggest difference beyond the offense is the fact that they played well in that Saturday and, and Sunday game, Borky, and it, it looked different, not just at the plate, but they looked like a team that had some confidence and expected to go out and just kind of bash the team on the other side. Yeah, cleaner baseball the last two days. Yeah, yeah. Big week, five games in six days starting tomorrow afternoon at 4 against Little Rock. We're back with you right after this. From the Seabrook. More sports talk Mississippi. Hey, it's go time. Sports Talk Mississippi. Well, say something. Super Talk Mississippi. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Glad to have you along for the ride today. Speaking of rides, you need a new one? Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota has you cut. You like that, Ada? That was good. That was good. That's Sometimes it just happens accidentally. That yeah. might have been one of those accidental times. Belk Ford, Oxford Toyota has you covered. Great selection of F 150s on the lot. And uh, they will take care of you, whether it's a new vehicle or a used vehicle. Ford Truck Month is going on, which means some savings and some great selection. Got 2024s on the lot, and they are moving quickly. But it's not just F-150s. They've got the Ranger, and they've got the Explorer, and they've got the Expedition, and there's some Broncos. Whether they are there today or not, I don't know. They, They go quickly when they find their way onto the lot. Great selection on the Toyota lot as well. Stop by and see them. Tell them you heard about them on Sports Talk Mississippi. We would appreciate that very much. Belk Ford, Oxford Toyota, Highway 6 West in Oxford. Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota. 
So we have a line. Oh, I'm sorry. We have a, a line for the Mississippi State Kentucky game. Would you Would you care to guess it? Oh yes, uh, Kentucky is a four and a half point favorite. Mississippi State is a two and a half point favorite. Wow! On DraftKings uh, Sportsbook. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm as surprised as you are, I'll tell you. Okay. Kentucky has been very different home and road. They have. They have. Look no further than last week in Baton Rouge in the midweek. Yeah, yeah. Unless you made a bunch of shots in the mm. second half in that game, climbed back into it and had a incredible tip in at the buzzer to win it after Kentucky hit a big shot to take the lead. Feels like Humphrey Coliseum is going to be pretty juiced up tomorrow night. Sold out. It's a whiteout uh, crowd. T-shirts are already on the seats there in the uh, in the hump. Okay. Uh, of course, state's record in whiteouts against Kentucky is not good. But I get it. Uh, yeah, I, I expect it to be as electric as an environment as we've seen this year. And we've had some good ones uh, here in Starkville this year. Um, you know, I, I feel like the buy-in to Chris Jans's program is there. People are showing up to these games, uh, even the games. You know, the, the Arkansas, the the Vanderbilt games. You've had good crowds for those games, but yeah, I expect tomorrow night to be uh, very, very as packed as it's been all year. Speaking of Arkansas, Eric Musselman, in a press conference setting, was talking about the fact that his team was playing better as of late. Borky, do we do we have the audio? Can we can we listen to Eric Musselman and what he had to say? Because all of a sudden, Mississippi State ended up in his mouth. Yeah, he's feeling himself a little bit here. You know, we got a good flow going right now. How long that lasts, I don't know. But um, you know, we're four and three, and in, in our last seven, I think. And you know, to be quite honest with you, we, sh- we should be five and two. Um, you know, the game at Mississippi State, I'm not going to comment on it, but it's, if you watch the film over and over like I have, we should be 5-2, and two, and there's no questions about that. So so you're not going to comment on it, but you did comment on it, and you did so without a lot of backing. What is he talking about? What, was was that one idea. of those games, hey, Dad, where the officiating was particularly egregious against Arkansas? I mean, they had three players foul out in that game, but State had four with four fouls. I mean, the, the the rest were tight in that game. But, I mean, State led basically the entire game. Arkansas did get the lead late in the second half, but State claimed it right back. I, you know, if we're going to play this game. You know. If I remember correctly, Arkansas was down by either two or three with the mm-hmm. ball inside a minute to play and state suffocating defense created a turnover. They yeah. didn't even get a shot off, if I remember correctly. I mean, just this is just I mean, does that I seem reasonable? He, he, he yes, he, he ranted about the officiating after that game, and now here we are a few weeks later, and he's he's still talking about it. You know, it's not an issue unless they're going to play each other in the SEC tournament. But in Arkansas, season's going to come to an end in a few weeks or a few. You know, I guess in four games. They'll play one, an SEC tournament game. They'll probably lose that, and that'll be it. And so, and then Musselman will probably be off to Louisville or something like that. But it is what it is. 
Jason Baker, Patrick Evans, and Terry Oglesby were the officials for that game on the 17th of February. Game that Mississippi State won by four, 71-67. Arkansas in the game was called for 25 fouls. Mississippi State was called for 20 fouls. So the, um, the foul disparity was not over the top. Um, Arkansas was 14 of 19 from the free throw line. Mississippi State made the same number of free throws that Arkansas attempted, although their percentage was poor, once again shooting 59% from the line. Imagine that. They were 19 of 32 from the uh, from the stripe. But some of that is style. Mississippi State attempted... Um, now Mississippi State made more free throws than Ole Miss attempted when they played last week. But that wasn't just because of the officials. It was because of style. So, mm. the must bus. Yeah, it's just, you know, he's a notorious ref whiner anyway, so. Whiner? Just the whiner. Great coach. I mean, Arkansas has been on until this year an incredible run. Uh, so you know you can you can have that whiner on my sidelines if you're going to win basketball games because winning basketball games is fun. But my goodness, watching Arkansas is frustrating with the volume of whining. It's constant, and every time they cut to him, he's whining. Every time in the press conferences, he's whining. They're always whining. Four games left in the regular season for Mississippi State, and it is a brutal finishing stretch. It also creates a massive opportunity. Hey, Dad talked about the jump that Mississippi State's net had after their 20-point win on the road against LSU on Saturday night. Think about what the net could do with a 3-1 and finish, a 4-0 and finish. Kentucky at home, Auburn on the road, Texas A&M on the road, South Carolina at home. Yeah, and even a two and two finish, you're gonna. I mean, assumes you have to get at least one quad one out of that, right? All three of those first, those first three games are all quad one. Kentucky at home, Auburn on the road, and A&M on the road still remains a quad one game. And so if you get that and then you just beat South Carolina, especially if you can beat them soundly, if you can beat them by double digits, yeah, I mean, you're going to stay in those mid-20 range. Again, I've said it a hundred times this year. I'll say it again, though. That Southern loss just continues to haunt Mississippi State. They, they would be at probably 22-23 right now and be pushing for a, a four or five seed if they had not lost that game. Um, but they did. And so... Though they're, you know, right now they're probably a seven seed pushing to try to get to a six and a four and oh finish, which is unlikely. But if it happened, that would probably push them probably closer to the five seed line. So Mississippi State now has the fifth highest net in the SEC. You've got Tennessee, Alabama, Auburn at five, six, seven, Kentucky at 19, Mississippi State at 28, then Florida at 31. Florida is. I don't know if you guys remember, way back in early December, I did the, um, what was it, the Orange Bowl Classic basketball tournament where, um, what was it, USF beat Florida State, and USF's gone on, they're in first place in the American Conference. 
Did not see that coming. And then Florida beat Richmond. And I came back and told you guys, I'm intrigued by this Florida team. They got some nice pieces. And they're now nine and four in the SEC, I think it is. Nine and four, nine and five. Um, nine and four. Nine and five. They, you're right. Nine and five. Yeah. They're up to 31 in the net. And when you look at the remaining schedule for the Gators, they got a chance to add some wins here down the stretch. They've got Missouri at home. They go to South Carolina. They get Alabama at home on next Tuesday night. Ooh, that'd be a good one. And then uh, they go to Vanderbilt to close it out. Feels like two and two is the worst case scenario finish for Florida, which would give them eleven conference wins. Wouldn't be surprised if they either knocked off South Carolina on the road or figured out a way to beat Alabama at home. Alabama at home would be huge if they did that. That's a good Florida basketball team. And again, up to 31 in the net rankings. Then you got South Carolina at 48, A&M at 58, Ole Miss is now at 75. And look, the the remaining schedule for Ole Miss, I mean, we have, we have talked and talked and talked about this. And the bottom line is Ole Miss has no margin for error remaining. they got four games remaining, Alabama at home, at Missouri, at Georgia, Texas A&M at home. Sports Talk Mississippi, we'll be back with you to wrap it up right after this. Talk Mississippi. Here we we go, go. Super Talk Mississippi. Back one last time on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Glad to have you along. If you're looking for something to watch tonight, you've got, I guess, Big 12 basketball. It's been pretty good on Monday nights. But you've also got the match, golf, which is a mixed skins game this year. Rory McIlroy, Max Homa, Lexi Thompson, and Rose Zhang in the mixed skins format. They're playing it in West Palm Beach I guess that means they're lighting the golf course. Is that right, Borky? Uh, they, unless it was pre-recorded, which I don't think it was, then yeah. So it's um, on TNT, TBS, True TV, and HLN, and is streaming on the Bleacher Report app. It started. Actually, they are just underway. So if you want to check that out, you can. All right. Last thing today, we were. Streaming only on Friday for the last couple of hours of the show, which means our Food Friday was heard by a much smaller audience. Food Fridays are presented by Polk's. Polk'sMeat.com is their website. Go there to see all of their meat product offerings. But remember, when you go to the grocery store, look for the Polk's packaging. They've got all of their sausages plus many, many other options available to you. No buts about it, folks. Picky people pick Polk's. So a bit of a weekend in review from our Food Friday. Hey, Dad, you uh, you said you were going to Pahrain's while you were in uh, in Baton Rouge. Did you end up doing that? I did. I did. Fantastic. I did do that. Yes. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Uh, 
some boudin egg rolls, some char-grilled oysters, and uh, my entree uh, was the famous catfish Purdue, catfish smothered in crawfish etouffee. There you go. There you go. You know this diet I've been on? Mm-hmm. I couldn't have done that if I were a Louisiana person. I I, I just couldn't. I, I, I like their food too much. If I could get that kind of food every day, I would weigh 600 pounds and just have to live with it. Um, I ate out all weekend, other than some uh, some breakfast stuff at the house mixed in along the way. But I think I, I think I even picked up breakfast a couple of times. So Friday night we uh, we did hibachi. I did make a suggestion to the uh, the folks at the hibachi restaurant that perhaps they could add some uh, Polk's Cajun smoked sausage to their uh, their fried rice offering. They oh, looked yeah. at me funny, but I didn't think it was a terrible idea. I mean, like would that not be idea. a great addition to the I, fried rice hibachi style? Yeah, I mean, I've seen you know some recipes for Cajun fried rice out there. People do it on the Blackstone, and there's always a, a Cajun-style smoked sausage, so why not use the best one? When he looked at me funny, I was like, hey, pal, no buts about it. Picky people pick polts. And he was like, okay, egg roll. Choo-choo. You know, all the same jokes that they tell every time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Michael Borky, you were planning on cooking this weekend? Yeah, I did the chopped cheese thing. And, and it, you know, if you want a cheesesteak on a budget, it, it was really good. It's not a Philly cheesesteak. The, the drop-off in quality of, of the meat actually does show up, but I, I'd eat one again for sure. I mean, it, it came, and it's hard to really screw that up. I mean, you cook ground beef and season it up and load it down with cheese and then slap it on a big piece of bread with lettuce and tomatoes and whatever sauce you want. Mm. That I mean, it's very simple and it's good. But, yeah, I gave that a shot because my YouTube algorithm would not leave me alone about them, and I, mean, I guess it worked. Did you watch that video I sent? I did, yeah. Oh, that guy's good, yeah. I was, I was very diverse. So I did Japanese-style steakhouse on Friday night. Good old American steakhouse. Really fired up that Tico's is coming to Oxford. Had a little bit of a uh, oh. soft opening on Saturday night. Uh, went to a, uh, a birthday party there for a close family friend. Happy birthday, Katie. And um, then uh, last night, sat at the bar by myself at a Mexican restaurant. So it was like the, the uh, international trifecta all in my hometown over the weekend. Um, but Very I can nice. assure you, when I return to the grill this weekend, Polk sausage is going to be—it's uh, going to be at the forefront of the menu. Uh, going Cajun Key style player. coming up this. Yes, yes. It and and probably the MVP when it's all said and done. Let's just be honest. So, uh, we will have a food Friday for you coming up uh, this week at its normally scheduled time, and you should be able to hear it as well. Food Fridays and the review on Monday is brought to you by Polk's and Polk's Meat Products. Visit them online at polksmeat.com. No buts about it, folks. Picky people pick Polk's. Tomorrow, despite Hey Dad's pleading to leave the show early, preemptively for a sore throat, we will have full coverage of Mississippi State and Kentucky getting you ready for a big matchup tomorrow night at the Hump in Starkville. Thanks for being with us in the Pearl River Resort Studio on this Monday afternoon. For Brian Haydad and Michael Borky, I'm Richard Cross. Have a good night.
Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.